Welcome to Eden Exchanges. In this episode, we spoke to Bob McCarthy, Licensee Recruitment Manager for Leadership Management Australia. Bob discussed the history of the company across the globe and LMA's unique position in the training and education industry. Listen out for tips on how to become a licensee, what kind of person becomes a successful licensee, and how LMA attracts licensees who grow their own business by developing and helping other businesses grow. Welcome everyone. Today we're joined by Bob McCarthy, who's the Licensee Recruitment Manager of LMA. Thanks a lot for joining us today, Bob. Not at all. Thank you for having me. Look, firstly, Bob, can you start off by telling us how you first became involved with the LMA and what drove you towards the opportunity? Okay, well, interestingly, my journey to be in Leadership Management Australia, which, as you rightly say, generally is known as LMA, it started in Ireland. You've gathered from my accent, I come from somewhere else. I, I come from the south of Ireland, a place called Cork. And in the year 2000, I became the first licensee in Ireland of Leadership Management International. Our company is now based in 80 countries worldwide. So Ireland became, I don't know, number 80, 79 or number 80 at the time. Mm-hmm. And for 12 years, I ran the business in Ireland. It was called, obviously, LMI, Leadership Management Ireland. But during that period, I and my colleagues attended our international conference roughly once a year, and I developed a strong relationship with my Australian colleagues. Australians are similar to Irish. We we speak the same language. We drive on the left side of the road, all that type of thing. So we became quite close, and indeed, we both helped each other with our businesses in Australia and New Zealand, and indeed in Ireland. So the then chairman and and founder of the LMA business suggested to me that if I ever thought it appropriate, there would be a role for me in Australia. And in 2012, five years ago, I took that opportunity. And happy with the move so far? So far, so good. Yes, absolutely. So what are some unique characteristics of the LMA business? How big is the market and who are the clients predominantly? In, in, in terms of the size of the market, training and development is, is pretty large, as, as you probably know, in Australia and indeed in New Zealand. And in terms of our percentage catch on that, I, I can't honestly quote you that. But we've been established here in Australia for 45 long years, since 1972. And we are now currently, would you believe, the longest standing privately owned registered training organization in Australia. In terms of the characteristics of the LMA business, I guess we define ourselves as a performance improvement company, and we specialize in such things as personal leadership and organizational development. And we run development programs that are aimed at the executive, managerial, supervisory, team leader, and sales area. But we're a little bit different from most training organizations. Not to be fair in the content of our programs. Yes, our content is unique. It's proprietary. We believe it's very, very good. And we're continually updating it to to reflect changing needs in the marketplace. However, what really makes us stand out is the process by which we get people to apply the information. Most training providers are excellent and they dispense or conduct their training by way of lecture or seminar. And I've no doubt you've been to a seminar where an excellent presenter has stood up and mentioned things that are highly relevant to you and you've said something like, oh, yeah, I must put that into practice. But you go back to work, you've missed 20 emails, whatever, 10 voice messages. And for the most part, you tend not to put that information into practice. Our process is designed to help people change their behaviours, their habits, and that process then has a measurable impact on the bottom lines of organisations that we work with. So in terms of the unique characteristics, we believe what makes us different is our process. 
Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. It does make sense because it's a common thing to get inspired by you know, a charismatic speaker or a, or a conference and then go back to your desk and, and forget about the whole thing. Yes. So that process uh, you conduct, is that a like a systematized method of following up on what people have learnt on? Or can you just delve into that a little bit more and how that actually works? Well, certainly we, we use a number of elements, I guess, in, in our process. Hmm. One is, as I mentioned, we focus on helping the participants in our programs and our courses to change their attitudes and therefore their behaviors. We call it permanent behavioral and attitudinal change. Right. And and you can't do that in a one-day seminar. It's not possible. So our courses run over a period of time. You might call they are modular courses. Secondly, we focus very much on helping our participants achieve the goals and objectives that are important to both them as individuals and the organization that they work for. We're very focused on delivering a solid return on investment. In fact, that's the basis for our ongoing relationship with most of our clients. We're able to demonstrate that, yes, Mary and John did a development program, but their improved behavior had a significant impact on the bottom line of this organization. So therefore, it's easier to make a decision to reinvest if, if, if there's a significant return on investment. And then, sorry, so, so the, the, the final part, I guess, of, of the puzzle, if you want to call it that, is we have in Australia what we call consistent professional delivery nationally. And that means that if somebody does a program here in Melbourne, they'll get exactly the same level of delivery and same focus on measurable results as if they did that same program over in Perth, up in Darwin, over in New Zealand. Sure. And that does take you know, considerable skill to, to do that. And how does that translate back to the type of person that would suit running an LMA business under your licensee model? I mean, do they need to have technical skills or can they be new to the industry? They can be new mm-hmm. to the industry. If I were to try and draw a, tip, a profile of the typical person who has joined and has been a licensee in LMA, I'd find it quite difficult to come mm-hmm. up with a, a, a one-size-fits-all. Yeah, okay. But there certainly are some characteristics that I believe are, are common to our licensees. One is they tend to come from business. They've been in business before. They tend to have a little bit of grey hair. I don't know what right. yeah, yeah, I guess, yeah. Not as much as I have, I might add. <sighs> In other words, they they have had built up some experience in their sector. Quite normally, the people who approach us are people who've had experience of training and development in their sector before. And in most cases, they've seen how it shouldn't be done, if if that makes sense. No, that makes sense. And and, and therefore, they they, they approach us with a view to seeing if, if, if in fact, uh, our process works. Many of them also have been clients, and they've seen our process firsthand and the measurable results they can deliver, and therefore, they want to be part of that. Other characteristics, people who want to run their own business. Some people possibly tired of being in a defined nine-to-five career. People who feel that they have a desire, as it were, to give back and to use their experience added to a proven process and to grow a successful business. Mm. And one trait that, and I want to address your question about do we train people or, or, or something to that effect, one of the skills that, no question, is a huge attribute to anybody in our business is their ability to sell our ability to conduct professional selling relationships with our clients. And we invest a considerable amount of time helping people and and training people when they join us as licensees to develop those skills. Not just training them, but supporting them and being with them as they develop and strengthen those skills. Almost all of our business, 80% of our business is repeat business. But that doesn't mean we don't want to get new clients. We, We do need new clients. So the sales process has been well defined over a long period of time. 
and is very much focused on helping our licensees start new relationships with clients, which ultimately grow to long-standing professional relationships. That's right. In terms of the facilitation of the programs, that's more done um, by LMA itself. The licensee is a bit removed from that, or is that something that's combined with the licensee's role? The first option is correct. The licensee is not necessarily a facilitator. It's LMA's responsibility as a registered training organization to have adequate, qualified, and competent facilitators available to facilitate our programs. And it's not as simple as just getting your TAE, your training and assessment equivalents. You must also be trained in the, as it were, the LMA way. Because our process is quite unique, just having a, a Cert 4 in TAE wouldn't, wouldn't be sufficient to, to run our program. So we recruit and we support our facilitators as they progress. So to go back to your first question, we would encourage new licensees in particular not to worry about facilitation, safe in the knowledge that we have adequate facilitators at the required standard throughout the country. However, a number of licensees, as they progress in their license, maybe after two or three years, they say things like, hey, I would like to facilitate one or two programs a year to be in front of the clients. And of course, that's perfectly fine. But if they were to say that in the first year or two, we'd strongly discourage that because the focus on the first couple of years is about growing the business. Look, I'm going to step back again because you mentioned that comment about grey hair. Uh, mm-hmm. Generally, if people with some grey hair will join. Look, we're seeing a bit of a trend as well in terms of uh, people with that grey hair applying for their own businesses, maybe transitioning out of work or maybe even being you know, sidelined despite the fact they have years of experience in management and training. From your end, is that a marketplace of people that flow into your system as licensees? Because we are seeing a bit of demand from that sector as well. Uh, it's not the only yep. source of interest we've achieved, but it's certainly a major source of, of mm. interest. I use the word grey hair very carefully. <laughs> yeah, I, I understand. The podcast <laughs> yeah. can't, can't reveal yeah. the colour of my hair, but it's white. It's yeah. no longer grey. Yeah. I'm more referring to having had a little bit of worldly experience. Mm. and I'm not trying to be in any way ageist, but a 16-year-old, for example, would not, in my humble opinion, yeah. be the ideal candidate for a licensee because don't forget our our licensees tend to present to senior decision makers in large corporations and generally speaking having that aura of experience tends to strengthen their hand so any graduates from university in management degrees and master's in management do you find any of them become good yes. licensees yes not immediate graduates to be honest they would be people who certainly we have it's not a requirement to have a a, a degree or a master's or a phd or an mba it's not. Many of our people do, but it's certainly not a requirement. I would say to you, do graduates join us probably more frequently after they've gained some industry experience rather than straight out of college. Makes sense. Yeah, and from the, from the company itself, how's Elevate grown since you first entered the Australian market? I know you've been here for 40 plus years. Mm. And after that, you know, what are your goals for the company in terms of recruitment for licensees as well as um, the next steps in the growth of the firm? Okay, currently we have, I'll start with the last question, Mm. 15 licensees. Our goal is that by 2020, we'll have 25. We have in the past had 30 licensees. That was prior to the global financial crisis. And we, and I have no doubt every other training and development provider will say that, you know, during tough times economically, that's when you should invest in your people. But the reality is that Mm. that's not what happens. And certainly in Australia, many of the large corporations that exist here that are and have been clients of ours, 
the decision making with regard to training and development was made in the east coast of the US or right. in mainland Europe. Yep. In other words, they were directed during the crash to curtail or stop all training and development investment. So as a result, yes, we, 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 we have come back from there. And I'm happy to say that we're very focused on growing into the business. We have grown, we've seen 10% growth this year. The year before, we actually had a higher percentage growth. In terms of our retail sales, we had about 15%. And we've had a lot of interest expressed over the last six months, since more correctly, since the start of the financial year. Mm. Interestingly, we there is a time of the year when we get a lot of inquiries, and that's generally after Christmas. There's a lot of the grey-haired people, <laughs> the, 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 um, the executives who are on their family holiday, and they, you know, I certainly do, uh, go into a period of reflection and say, you know, maybe this year is the time to change. And we have people who are looking for a solid, professional, white-collar business that allows them flexibility, freedom, and the ability to generate good revenues for themselves. Fantastic. Look, thanks, Bob. Look, the RTO industry you're in hasn't always had the best rep at some of the providers operating in that sector. So how does LMA differentiate itself to put itself on another level and the trust it creates in the market as well? It's a very good question. And you are absolutely correct. The registered training organization sector has suffered strong reputational damage in the last four or five years. And unfortunately, that's due to a percentage probably bigger than most people would give credit for, of rogue operators who have set themselves up with the sole purpose of brokering funding on behalf of their students. Generally, it's been in what's called the B2C, the business-to-consumer sector. And I've no doubt many of the listeners to the podcast will recall brokers who've set up stalls in shopping malls at the weekend and they've sold training courses or qualifications. And there's been a free iPad or a free whatever given by way of this. And regretfully, the quality of the training that they provided was well below par. Now, the authorities have recognized this. It's been publicly acknowledged over the last number of years. And a large percentage of those registered training organizations have closed down. But you are dead right. The good players have all been tarred, as it were, with the same brush. So we as a business have never deviated from our process. We could have, no question. And we, we indeed were approached by a number of other newer providers to purchase our, our, our business, and we, we chose not to. We've stuck with our internal process, our, our, our development process, and we have noticed that our clients, because of the poor providers, have really learned what doesn't work now. And they're now coming back to us because they know that our process does work and does deliver measurable results and an identifiable return on investment. No, it is great because there's without a doubt a need for a professional, sophisticated, legitimate RTO provider yeah. in the sector. And it's not fair if everyone's getting tarnished by the same brush. So it's great that you're you know, well, pushing it out there. I was chatting with another business in, in a totally, totally different sector, and that was in the area of house insulation. This gentleman told me that he'd a successful house insulation business for 10 years prior to the government coming in with incentives for insulating houses. It's broadly called the pink bats. Yeah. You might yeah. recall that. And because the pink bats was highly subsidized by the government, that business went through tough times. Um, but they stuck with their guns. And now, after all of that scandal has been unearthed, they are now back in business and growing again because their market has been re-educated into what works and what doesn't. We're finding exactly the same with our, with our sector. So on the lines of LMA's technology, 
Has it greatly improved on your delivery of service from the traditional methods of face-to-face? We have engaged technology quite extensively in, in, in our business, but it is important to note, uh, before I talk a little bit more about that, that our model isn't one of lecturing. We, we don't have lectures or seminars. Instead, our sessions, if you want to call them that, our, our sessions are run by facilitators whose role is to facilitate our participants through LMA's process and to facilitate them towards achieving the results that they want to achieve and their organization wants them to achieve. So to support them through that, we have extensively used IT over the years. We have an online, it's a proprietary online portal called Feedback Online, which allows communication between the participant, his or her manager, mentor, the LMA facilitator, and the client support. We have four learning partners, so three, three learning partners to support the participant. So the online portal facilitates not just discussion, but uh, tracking of results and progress for the duration of the program. Our lesson material is produced by way of audio files. Up until about six months ago, all of our participants received CDs and USBs. We've now dispensed with those, and our participants receive free apps, uh, proprietary apps, onto which they can download the audio tracks and all of the tools for the programs. So in other words, recognizing the fact that people are very, very busy, we, we give them real-life tools that allow them to apply the ideas without taking up too much of their time from an already busy day. So LMA is taking on board the fact that the average Australian nowadays works beyond the 38 full-time hours. Correct. And I mean, if you look, I live in Melbourne. And just as in a measure, I come from a small town in Ireland called Kinsale. My office was 20 kilometres from my house. It took me 20 minutes. My office is 20 kilometres from my house here in Melbourne. It takes me an hour and 20 minutes. So we have had to develop tools that allow people to learn and develop while they're commuting to and from work. And when, as I say, their hands are busy, but their mind is not. In other words, to make use of downtime or otherwise time that otherwise they have nothing else to do. Which I think many Australians will appreciate that. Yes, it's, it's, it's always been a challenge. You know, there isn't a person who has done any of our programs who would not say, I'm very busy. We, that, that's, there's a lot of answers to that question. Firstly, I'll, I'll address your point, and I agree with you emphatically, that people are more time poor now than they have been before, for a whole range of reasons. And, and indeed, almost every single participant from a client organization who attends our program is busy, very, very busy. So we structure our program so that people do the work when, as it were, their, their hands are busy, but their mind is not. So we produce our programs in audio tracks that are downloadable via proprietary apps uh, that run on all platforms. Our programs are run, are, are supported by a proprietary online portal. We call it Feedback Online, abbreviated as everything is in Australia to FBOL. And we, we have, with, the, with that Feedback Online portal, we have the ability to update and modernize our programs uh, at a much more quicker rate. Certainly, I, I will say the Feedback Online portal provides us with a vehicle to serve our clients who would have cited being too busy as a reason not to do a program. There is an effort required in all of our programs. There is no avoid having to put an effort into the program because you won't get a reward. But we minimize that by spreading it out over a period of time providing technological tools such as our app and our online portal and all these things and the audio tracks, etc. that come with the program. So are you finding more that Australians are using the audio tracks? Our programs have always been delivered in between the weekly or fortnightly facilitation sessions. Mm -hmm. They've been delivered 
up until very recently by CDs and our USBs. And only in the last six to 12 months, we are, we're slowly phasing those out. And as I said, we have an app that people download and, and listen to our lesson content. It, it's just a new way of, I guess, presenting the information using technology. It is different. So you sign up for a program. You get a manual and, and up until six months ago, a satchel of CDs and whole range of stuff, access to our online stuff. And you attend the first session, we happen to call it an overview, where we're introducing to the concepts of the program. You start the process of defining your objectives and you meet your fellow participants. For the first lesson, we give you the lesson in a manual reading and it's on a CD or a USB. And we're going to ask you to listen to that. It's about 30 minutes once a day between now and the next session. Sounds odd, repeated spaced repetition, you know, but the interesting thing is you will hear something tomorrow you didn't hear today. Secondly, you will remember a lot more of it when you listen to it repeatedly. Think about the last time you learned a song from your favorite artist. The more you listen to it, the more you learn. And then last but not least, if you hear something today on the CD, it may not relate to something you're involved in today. But that exact same information on Monday, when you hear it, might relate directly to something you're involved in tomorrow. So it's called broadly experiential learning. You associate the information with the experience you're going through. Does that sort of make sense? Yeah. So technologically, that was our tech. That was one of the things that made us different. That's now dumped. We have an app, an LMA app. All of our participants get that. And they get the tools of the course. They get stuff that they can do on their iPad when they're... And they can do it offline. It doesn't have to be just online. They get the ability to download all these materials. It's been a big step in our, in our particular progress. Look, when people come in as licensees with LMA, are there any misconceptions that you want to clear up about what the role is and you know, what they should be expecting when they start the role? Any misconceptions? Yeah. I guess when, when I'm approached and I talk with people about the opportunity, the biggest misconception the most common misconception is, oh, I have to have experience in the training and development sector. Mm -hmm. That's not the case. This is a business. Yeah. There's a business in the training and development sector. The greatest experience that would benefit you to start is, is some experience at selling and developing long-term professional relationships with, with potential clients, etc. The other misconception is, I hope I explain this the correct way, LMA has developed over a number of years a very strong go-to-market proposal process. We call it our new account presentation. And we regularly get, I'm going to use a sporting analogy, we regularly get very successful hockey players join us as licensees. Does that make sense? Just, just bear with me. And they come in with a set of hockey playing skills that are top class, no question. But they come into a business that plays tennis. And those hockey skills, while they're great for hockey, don't necessarily translate into being a good tennis player. So we say to all of our new licensees, I'd like you to keep some of the skills, the fitness, the ability that you had with your hockey, but allow us to teach you how to play tennis and to learn our process. Because our process works. It's been proven to work, and it's led to our, many of our licensees enjoying incredibly successfully personal and financial businesses. But the ones who have have said, right, I'm open to this process. I'm going to learn it. I'm going to learn it, and I will personalize it after I've learned it, so that I can grow the business in accordance with the way I want it. And what will you define as success for a licensee? It's a very good question. Success means different things to so many different people. We have licensees who've joined to have a lifestyle business. I would imagine, I would say 10 or 20% of our licensees want no more than that, to have a high income and to enjoy 
significant amount of time off. On the other extreme, we have people who are focused 100% on it as a business and they want to grow a successful team and to work across a large, what we call a principal place of business. So in terms of success, it depends firstly, as I said, on how you define success, but clearly from a business point of view, financial income and profit is one of the key measures of success. Another one that certainly is very prevalent and, and one of the key drivers for people approaching us in the first place is quality of life issues. Many executives and senior managers who've joined us in the past have been attracted to us because they're tired of the nine to five, the rat race as they would call it. Sure. So in summary, it's it's a quality of life and a financial income process. So just going back on the type of characteristics that you typically have, you've stated before there's no need for previous education because you train them yes. in new licensees. So just asking, is there a particular process before contacting you? The, well, what, what might prompt somebody, maybe I'll throw that back at you, what might prompt somebody to contact us and how might we deal with that? Well, I think the first thing that motivates people to contact us is unhappiness with their current situation, whatever that is, or a desire to change, not necessarily unhappiness. Secondly, they're looking for something that gives them the things that you've just mentioned, such as possibly quality of life and the potential to earn, potential to be their own boss. So the next step of that process is for me to spend a lot of time with that person going through all of the checklist items. Thanks, Bob. What are the next steps for anyone interested in finding out more about LMA as a licensee? And what are your steps in vetting and talking to people who might be the right fit for your business? Okay. Well, firstly, obviously, make an inquiry. And I or one of my colleagues, probably me, will make contact with you. And the first step is to have a conversation. During that conversation, I'd like to find out a little bit about you, your motives for seeking to become a licensee in LMA, and what you might visualize the business, what it would look like were you to become a licensee. In that same conversation, I'd like to give you as much information as I can about LMA so that you know as much as you can. So that might take half an hour. Following up in that meeting, I will send you some material to further elaborate on our discussion, both electronically and via, via postal. I would like at that stage to schedule a further discussion, possibly two weeks later, after you've had time to digest the information and look through all of the the collateral and items I would send to you. If at the end of that conversation, you're still keen to pursue the business, and we'll never push too hard on this, we always invite our potential licensees to come to our head office, or we call it our resource centre in Melbourne, to spend a day and a half with us. And during that period, we go through our business in all its detail. Warts and all, as they say. We show you how the courses work, how the business operates. We go through the finances. We ask you to sign a non-disclosure document, obviously, at this stage, but we'll show you the businesses in its entirety. That's a pretty intensive day and a half, possibly two days. You get to meet the main people in our business because our our resource center, our head office, has, has an extensive team that's designed to support the growth of the business throughout Australia. So if at the end of that you're, you, you'd like to consider going further and becoming a licensee, we'll obviously show you some contracts. But we would say before you sign these contracts, we believe it's hugely important that you talk with some of our existing licensees throughout Australia so that you get a complete picture of the business. Now that process might take four weeks, it could take 12 weeks, but it will be driven by your interest and your desire to start as a licensee. We find it's hugely important that we show you the business in every form and show you the potential that's there and the risks that are associated with it. We would not be happy if somebody joined us without having that information. Presuming somebody then does decide to become a licensee, we start what we call our fast start period with them. 
and that takes in our language 90 days three months we've always found that the success a new licensee enjoys in his or her first 90 days is indicative of the success they enjoy after the first 90 days so for that reason we give them intensive support in those first 90 days so broadly speaking each month they'd have a week training with us and uh, learning our processes and our etc in melbourne followed by a week at home followed by Number week number three, when I or one of my colleagues would spend time in the field with that licensee, supporting them in their business development activities. We'd have regular phone checkups. We'd have regular meetings. We would appoint, we would sign those people up, the licensees, onto courses of their own. So in every possible way, we're there to support that licensee. I have at my disposal a, a marketing team of four professionals and finance people, the whole lot, who we give our full support because LMA only is only successful when our licensees are successful. So it's in everyone's interest that our new licensees have a very successful start. Well, thanks again for your time, Bob. Look, for anyone interested, we encourage you to head towards lma.biz to find out more about the company or click on contact us underneath this podcast to find out a little bit more. Apart from that, thanks again for joining us today. Thank you very much. Appreciate your time. Eden Exchanges was brought to you by the team at Eden Exchange. In this episode, we spoke to Bob McCarthy from LMA. For more information on this or any other episodes by Eden Exchanges, head to edenexchange.com or www.businessbuyinvest.com. You can also find us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram for recent updates on the buying and investing business world. You can subscribe to this series on iTunes or Stitches if you're using Android. Thanks for listening.